Debo going on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Nobody knows monster rugby better. Carberry gets over the line. Try from Monster. Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. OTB GAA. Hello there, and you're very welcome back to the Football Pod. We've had a bit of a break here. Myself and James Dunham and Paddy Andrews, we've had about a month off. Boys, has the break been good to you? Oh, you've been hanging around the computer waiting for it to... <laughs> yeah, now, come on, did you, how did you use your time? Was there a bit of rest and recuperation over the last couple of weeks? Uh, my Monday nights were a lot gloomier without you two boys on, so... It was nice to get a break. Um, pretty hectic season, but uh, I like we're going to have a few special guests over the next couple of weeks, I believe. That's I just do it on tall, Tommy, you know me. Yeah, that's the hope, Paddy. James will be keeping an eye on the club season as it, you know, yeah. goes on. A um, couple of very interested parties on this podcast. Paddy, you're still coaching away, am I right in saying? Still doing a little bit of coaching now, yeah. So uh, I've been busy. I have been busy, okay. uh, despite having uh, a month off from this. But uh, yeah, still coaching away, the young guns. They're into under 16 now, yeah. So doing a bit of that and then down with the club, doing a few sessions for nieces and nephews and things like that as well. So nothing, you know. Yeah, nothing too strenuous though, lads. You know me. 16s, minor. Are we going to go back to minor? 21s. I think they're changing it, aren't they? I'm just trying to count out how many years it's going to be till Paddy Andrews is next in line for the Dublin senior manager gig. Mm. A couple of years Five now. Years. A couple of years. Five ago. years, I'd say, yeah. Five James, years. you've been keeping yourself fit over the last couple of weeks. We won't get into that right now, but you've been tipping away with East Kerry over the last few weeks. Some very uh, interesting scorelines down in Kerry. That championship is heating up, as are many championships across the country. Offaly obviously crowned their county champions yesterday. Road one, mm. point of note that everyone's seen. Alan McNamee won his 13th title the weekend. Whoa. Remarkable. His first one in 1998. So Will O'Callaghan pointed it out. He's actually third on the role of honour in Offaly he's ahead of other clubs there's only two other clubs ahead of him on the role of honour county title that is Jeez. savage going some big news over the last couple of weeks uh, Mark O'Connor won an AFL grand medal alongside Zach Tui at the weekend following on from Ty Kennelly's premiership medal with the Sydney Swans James Mark O'Connor what could Kerry do with getting that boy back oh he would be a monumental addition but we were just where would he play would he go? He's a midfielder. He was an unbelievable minor. Like comes back and plays with the club every so often. He came back a couple of years ago, played fullback marking Donahue in the county semi-final. Did a great job back there, even. But he's just his physicality, his his, his athletic ability. Now is just going to be a step above. He would be an unbelievable addition, and he's a top lad as well. So I know he wants to. He wants to. He wants to play football for Kerry, even though he's over there doing so well. But. Hopefully we get him back. He's only 25. I think he got a slap on the wrist the last time he came home and played with Dingle in the off-season. But I, I believe, I'm being led to believe that he's got the thumbs up to play with Dingle now in the county championship when he comes home in the next week or so. Yeah, he, he's going to play. Like we were talking off air and you were saying, has he been a loss to Kerry? But he hasn't been a loss because he never actually played Kerry Senior. Mm. I can't even remember being in training with them. But what an addition it would be to go into that into that camp. It would be like it'd be like a transfer, because you know, you've never had him before. Yeah. You're getting the fella yeah. of his abilities, maximum physical capabilities straight into the team. It would be it would be brilliant. Even when Ty Canelli came back, he must have been in his early thirties. We thirty two. Ty Canelli was older. Yeah. 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 Like Mark is 25, 26. If he was to come back in two years' time, 27, 28, 
it would be it would be good to see. Like yeah. it would be brilliant. We saw McDade this year, like the pace and power, and when he came back from Australia, he so he took it off. But even it's McKenna, always that way, isn't it? Like the, the guys that come back, they just have. Oh, we touched on it with Paddy Talley, remember? Um, just yeah. talking about the, the training when they come back, even though Gal lads are really fit and do loads of hard training, the guys, the professional athletes, come back from Aussie rules and they're just on a different level. Like I said, McDade was the obvious example this year. Conor McKenna, previous year with Tyrone, like we had it. Kieran Kilkenny was very nearly gone from Dublin, and and even the couple of months he, he was away, he came back, and it was just a different level of fitness. So. Look, I'm sure Jack O'Connor would be interested in getting him back. There's no talk of it, is there, no, Jimmy? There's, it, there's always talks of it, honestly. Is there? And, it's always like, this fellow was talking to Mark, he wants to come home and all this, you know, it's just, <laughs> you're a group, canteen group chat again, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I actually does really want to play for Kerry, like, so I don't know, like, how are you going to say no to half a million a year or whatever he's on, like, to come home and play yeah. for Kerry Norton? You know? that, was, that was the big lament with Mayo, wasn't it? Paddy, um, and he always spoke about Pierce Hanley, exactly. Yeah. That loss. Could he have been that extra point going down the stretch? He would have been a handful, yeah. Speaking about players coming back, we have a very yeah. special guest on the show a little later who made his own comeback from retirement. He actually retired at the age of 28, came back later that year, about three weeks before the All-Ireland final. Stephen O'Neill is joining us on the show. And I'm very, very excited about this, lads, because we've known for about two weeks that we've got Stephen O'Neill locked in. I've been trying to research as many interviews that Stephen O'Neill has done over the years. He has done very few. Not so many, I yeah. ended up getting stuck to old Tyrone games on YouTube from 1998 up until about 2014. What a career he had. Unbelievable footballer. You excited for this? Yeah. Yeah, James. Your class. Speak, <laughs> speaking about U-turns, Paddy. The we're dubs. burying the lead. The dubs. <laughs> Come on. I thought you wanted to break the glass and do an emergency podcast last week. We've two lads back. Two good lads, I believe. Yeah. Two good lads. Now, come here. Let's call us, but you'd be too, you'd be close to Paul Mannion, you'd be, you'd be close to the two boys. Were you expecting this? Um, I know I obviously uh, knew about it before mm. it was announced, but um, I, I was surprised now, I have to say, because the lads are kind of the, the, their own choice to kind of step away. Um, and you have that break. Obviously, Jack was doing a bit of traveling, Mano's been obviously was over in the States in the summer as well, still playing with his club, but Jack kind of hadn't really played much at all with Clan Tariff either. And, just the conversations that I would have had with them um, in the past that they were kind of happy enough to be stepping away and that was it. So it is a big cha- a big turnaround because to make that decision to come back into the team and kind of put your shoulder to the wheel, that's it's a massive thing. We speak about it all the time in this podcast that the the sacrifice, the dedication that goes into playing inter-county football and for the lads, they've obviously had that. Something's got them going again. Um, it might, might be Dublin losing the last couple of All-Irelands, but... They feel mentally they're ready to go and give it give it a rattle. I think it's brilliant news for Dublin. There's no two ways about it. They're two, even now, haven't been away from the game for, for a couple of seasons. They're two outstanding players. And if they can come back, add to the team and get to the levels that the, we've seen them before from, from Jack with a player of the year, Mano's three or four all-stars, if they can play at that level again, it's just a massive, massive addition for Desi Farron and the Dublin team. And as a supporter... I'm absolutely delighted, and this, that's the sense around for all WGA fans. You've got two outstanding players coming back, and hopefully, there's no guarantees, but hopefully, they can hit the heights that they had before. And look, it puts Dublin right in the mix to win the All Ireland next year. That's the reality of it. That's how good they are. Yeah, and it, just, it just proves like that leaving at the right time is so hard. Like, hmm. who knows when the right time is? But obviously, the boys have both thought they went too early, 
as of last year or whatever. And yeah, they're still uh, what well, I don't know if... feeling that they can offer more, you know. Jim, like just even reading back and, and listening back to interviews that Jack Mack and McCaffrey and Paul, Paul Manning did with us over the last while, I never really got the sense that they did feel I feel like they had made peace with the fact that they yeah. left and they needed a break. Like maybe it's that they've got enough of a break from the last, I think Paul Mannion missed two seasons, Jack McCaffrey missed three seasons. Mm. It's such a, we always say guys retiring or coming back or whatever. It's such a personal decision. Yeah. And if you're, you're on that treadmill for, for eight, nine, 10 years. And it's just, I always say when it starts to become a chore and you're going, oh, training is a bit of a pain or you're just not enjoying it as much, then you step away. But the guys obviously to to make the decision to come back, feel that they, they miss it and they they want to come back and and they want to play. And, like I said, they're not being forced to do it. It's their own choice to go back. And it's just, I think as if you're looking at it from a neutral point of view, they're two unbelievably exciting players. Football, for football fans, it's exciting. But from a Dublin perspective, it's it's brilliant news. I'm delighted for them that they're happy to go back. Um, and like I say, hopefully they can, they obviously feel that they can enjoy it and they can add to it again. So yeah, maybe it's just a couple of years away and said, right, they're ready to go again. Did it make, I know, James, you live in your own bubble down in Kerry. Did it even enter the, the news on Kerry GA and the Kerry Radio Kerry and the Bulletins? Did it did just you hear like, word of it? Just when you mentioned it there is the first we heard of it, yeah. <laughs> uh, it was big news down here, of course. But I suppose you, you're always going to have questions. Have they maybe lost a half a yard of pace or whatever? Even if the two of them lost half a yard of pace, they'd still be two of the top 10 fastest players in the country. Mm-hmm. Do you know, like the, the pace they operate at is different level. So... It'll be interesting, especially Mannion, who would have been a very kind of explosive, powerful player, to see maybe will he have to adapt his game a little bit to kind of... I would have thought McCaffrey, that potentially we'd be seeing a different Jack McCaffrey because he's been away since mm. summer 2020. Mannion we've seen in, in you know Club All Ireland action. I know it's different, but I would have thought maybe it, Jack had to change his game. It is hard to know because I remember we had a Rory O'Carroll as well. Yeah. Rory was an outstanding fullback, all-star fullback. And went away. Uh, he was working and doing a bit of traveling in New Zealand, and he came back to the to the panel. I think it was maybe three years later, and I think Rory probably never got back to the level like he was the outstanding fullback in the country. I felt, and just when you're away for a couple of years, there, there's no guarantee that you come back in and you're just no. the exact same player. You hope so. I hope so. And look, I think the guys are, have that much quality that, that you're expecting them to make a really positive impact. But there is no guarantee. You're going to have to wait and see, like say for Jack, who's been away for, for three years, not even really playing club football. You know, yeah. it is a, a massive step up, but it, he knows that, Desi Farrell knows that, the players know that themselves. So they're just going to have to try and work as hard as they can. And hopefully, from a Dublin point of view, that they can get back to the levels that they were at before. Because they were absolute essential parts of what I feel is the best team ever. Um, those those two guys were absolute cornerstones of it. So it's it's positive they, news, but, but we have to wait and see how they adapt. Were they big personalities in the dressing room? Like they were quite young throughout all that time. Yeah, they, they would have like, they'd be leaders in the team without, not like a shouting and roaring type thing, but they're both very intelligent guys. They're very intelligent players. And just the, the impact they had in training and on the pitch, they were just massive parts of the team. Yeah. So okay, you'd wonder like in November, December time, will <laughs> will the doubts come creeping in? Like on the yeah. <laughs> facing rain against the windscreen. Oh no! Hey, you're Division, going out doing your fitness tests and Division Two next year is going to be fun. 
Claire, well, Cork, Limerick, Derry, Loud, Kildare, Mead and Dublin. But you know what, lads? They, they would have, this was a massive decision. They would have had a lot of time thinking about this. This is, and I'm sure they've taken that into account. The idea of, you know, like say your fitness tests in January, you know, horrible weather. Oh. But they know that. And they, they said, right, we'll deal with that. We're ready to go. They want to go back and try and win all Ireland with Dublin. So that's, yeah. that's the price you have to pay if you want to do it. So, All right. Well, you, you are listening to episode 35 of the Football Pod, episode 35 of season two with James O'Donoghue and Paddy Andrews. We're going to be back right after this with our special guest, Stephen O'Neill. All right, you're very welcome back to episode 35 of the Football Pod with Paddy Andrews and James O'Donoghue. And I'm absolutely delighted to be welcoming on a legend of the game, Stephen O'Neill from Tyrone. Stephen, how are you? I'm not too bad. All right, keeping well, thank God. We were all very, very excited to, to get you on the podcast. I think we were all massive fans of yours growing up. And uh, some of the boys I don't even know got what you're excited. I, I'm the board member of the Tyrone panel. There's <laughs> <laughs> never much crack with me. Well, I, I think I, it, I wouldn't worry about that. It's the football. And I think. You may have played against one or two of the boys before. James, do you ever get <laughs> exposed to Stephen O'Neill's magic on the pitch? I don't think so. Were you playing league in 2013, Stephen? You were, I'd say, were you? Yeah, maybe a bit early. I finished yeah. 2014, so I did. So I finished up there. Like, so probably crossed swords at, at some stage. Yeah. I definitely had the misfortune of being around Stevie on the pitch. So he finished my days as a cornerback, which was great. So I actually thank you for that, Stephen. Got me as far away from my own goal as possible. I don't know what you were doing down there. You're just a wasting time. Down there. <laughs> neither did I. Neither did I. I had those thoughts myself, Stephen, I have to say. But uh, now we would have played a couple of times um, towards obviously the end of your career Stephen that league final was 2013 2013 I played uh, that we played using the championship too a couple of times you speed as well maybe 20 was it maybe 2012 or 2011 maybe or something too remember 2011 maybe yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so now some, some good battles over the years but but Paddy it, by the time 2013 rolled around you were back in the forwards like this this magical moment that's appeared in our social media a few times Stevie O'Neill a ball bounces into the I think it's the corner of the canal Andrew, it's in the canal end. It's in the canal end. Andrew shepherds you out to the. He shepherds you towards the end line. You've got about four yards to work with. What? You're just torturing no the man. There was no shepherding. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of quality. Everybody overlooks it. Anthony McGinley's pass. It was a pinpoint ball. There was the nothing corner. I could do. It was terrible. But uh, no, it was uh, no. Listen, it was just one of them nights, and I was glad it went over. It was lucky it went over. So. Yeah. Uh, you, you get some nights like that there. I'm sure any uh, Paddy or James probably had, had times like that. I think, I think I seen James you swinging one over from the sideline there a few weeks back too for the club. Oh, yeah. Well, I broke the line, which every single person who saw the video wrote <laughs> me about it. So. And that is What's a very the doing there? I can't the linesman's asleep at the wheel. <laughs> I think he was in awe of the point. I think that's all that was. But Stephen, just when you say that, like, you know, we're obviously in an age now where things get clipped up on social media and put out, I think there's a couple of poor creators who are being reminded about scoring own points all weekend. I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a few ones. Uh, I, th- I can't remember what game had happened at the weekend, but people started sharing points from all over. I think there was one in the Clare final a couple of years ago, cornerback putting it over his own bar and, and other bits and pieces. But like, if you were playing nowadays, some of the points that you were swinging over in the early 2000s, they would be shared thousands and thousands of times. I think that poor Peter Kelly has had that dummy shared <laughs> so many times since. Ah, uh, listen, I was lucky they went over and I, I always, I played with great players who, who helped set me, set me up for, for shots and that. So, 
And if you chat at a few of the players there, they'll be they'll be given out like because I, I had more wage maybe than, than scores. <laughs> and I, I was lucky a few of them were over. So uh, we're in good company here, Stephen. We hey? we're in good company here. We always just say pull the trigger. Pull the trigger. <laughs> hey. full, full forward line members here. So uh, I'd say, uh, shoot on site. I think it was David Hart always just kept calling me SOS. Shoot on site. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I keep swinging and 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 eventually they'll, they'll go over. You know, I think there's nothing worse as a as a corner forward or a full forward. You're waiting for one good pass in, and it always ends up a cornerback gets the shot, and you're like, <laughs> you just, you're chasing back after a kickout. So it's it's never easy. But you know what? These days, right? Isn't it like it's all about scoring zone and getting the shot off from the top of the D. Like a lot of those shots now, you're almost you're almost kind of made turned down. Like there's no bit of there's no bit of off the cuff stuff up front at the moment. I find it very kind of. Just uh, I think that, format, I think it, work it work it to a spot and have a shot. Like some of those scores just don't happen anymore. Uh, well, I think the game's got so tactical now. Defensively, teams are so well structured to set up, and then I suppose then the attacking side of the game has got very structured and, and how teams set up, and it's almost like a basketball formation. And I think Paddy could probably agree with us. Like when you look at Dublin, they came up against a very defensive Donegal team, and in fairness to Jim Gavin, I always you know he, he figured out how to crack that, and you know the way he had those Dublin forwards drilled and how to create the space and get the shot off. I I, I always just really enjoyed watching it and, and was amazed at how ruthless they were and how you know they stuck to the game plan no matter what, and and, and they always it always paid dividends for them. So. I think a lot of teams now are, are, are looking at forward coaches and, and, and being structured. And you can see it in clubs, the way the team's set up now around that arc and, and, and that. And I, I enjoy it, but I know sometimes it's when you see a couple of teams, not maybe it's not coming off for them. It's hard to watch. But when you watch good teams like Dublin there this last few years and, and, and the other big county teams, I think it's I think it's really enjoyable. It's funny, Steve, you say, because it, it was, we were doing a lot of work on, on our forward play and, and, and kind of breaking down that kind of mass defences. But we were always, to be fair, Jim would always say he'd back the players to shoot if they wanted to. That that was like if you missed and you're taking bad shots, but then you'd have a case to answer. But he would always say to the likes of myself or Mannion or, or Berno, whoever it might be, if you're competent enough to, if that's what you practice and you're out on the training pitch and you're kicking them over, then knock yourself out. But you're mm-hmm. right, it's the times when a cornerback comes up the pitch and He's never taken a shot in the last six months and he's tried to swing a leg at it. That would be, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There'd be issues there, but, but we were always kind of encouraged that if you have the skill set, go for it. And you you absolutely did. Jimmy, you had it as well yourself. So, um, And you but, see it like the likes of like the All-Ireland final this year was brilliant because it was such a shootout between Clifford and Shane Walsh, two oh, boys yeah. who, who have that capability. So, you know, there is still exciting forwards out there but um, there was no scoring done that day no no but but the guys it's, are competent enough to do that like, I back, if I was Park Joyce and was manager Shane Watts I'd shoot absolutely mm-hmm. and the same mm-hmm. with like, Mickey Hart with you Stephen or, or for you Jimmy there's forwards who can kick those scores knock yourself out like, yeah. you shouldn't be inhibiting any players like that it's interesting I, that you say that about um, Jim Gavin facilitating you boys to take those shots because mm. I was doing a bit of research for this uh, podcast this week and I typed in the words Stephen O'Neill and Paddy Andrews into Twitter. And when you do that, only one tweet appears. No no surprises, it's a Dublin fan, but it's Gerlad007, April the 10th, 2016, 
Paddy Andrews has now taken over from Stephen O'Neill as the impossible angle points king. <laughs> so, Paddy, you I must think have asked Stephen. I that's a fake account. I did that myself, I think. Did I? That was the day of the, I checked the semi-final, league semi-final against Donegal that day. You must have pulled Stephen aside after that game in 09 and asked him for a few tips or something like that. I was trying to run away from him. <laughs> Stevie, how did you strike that balance then when you got into coaching? Because you you were obviously working under Mickey for two years in mm. 18 and 19. You were working with Enda McGinley and Antrim. I think you had a fellow that we had on this podcast before, Paddy Cunningham, a man who would shoot on site himself. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. how did you find that balance when you were then, you know? I, uh, I think it's trying to, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure Paddy could probably agree with us with, with Jim, like Gavin, like you, you, give the, you try and give the team a template to, to work off and to try and play to your strengths. And your strengths are always trying to feed the feed the shooters. And uh, I suppose that's what Mikey gave me the, the challenge of, the throwing at that time we're, we're, we're able to wipe away anybody in Ulster and we're putting up big scores but then they come down then to play Dublin or Kerry or Mayo they were finding it hard to break those teams down so that was my sort of remit when I came in and uh, after two years work like, I sort of felt that they were able to, to to create those scoring chances but it's just giving them a template to, to get the scores and if a half back happens to get up there as Paddy says you think you can swing it from 20-25 yards knock yourself out like mm. I don't think there's anybody telling anybody not to, not to shoot but it's just it's just giving your your team the best chance and that's what what I would try to do any team I would be involved with you know coaching wise you love football right mm-hmm. you're still playing I still playing um, I suppose I finished from the club when I was about 38 and I suppose that was just a natural thing to do at that time. And then the the throwing masters, the, the Leonards from Castle Derg, uh, got me involved in over 40s. And I said, Jesus, I could still play a wee bit and fit their about. So I went out then and played a wee bit of reserve for the club this year. And then we got picked up a few injuries. So I played a bit of senior football. But it's for Clan it's we're a small rural club in North Throne and there wouldn't be a big pick. So I got to play a wee bit of championship football then for the club there the other week. So uh, probably go out, but go back out next week. I think I've done the coaching thing and the managing thing, and it's it's grand. Yeah, but nothing beats playing. And I think for anybody who's in their mid thirties or keep going because uh, it's there's nothing that beats beats it getting out and, and doing a bit of training and kicking the ball about. You know, what were the injuries you had towards? Was it back? Or- uh, a lot of hamstring injuries. I had a tendonitis in my knee, which was the, probably the worst injury I had. It took me a long time to get rid of it. And I suppose it took me a couple of years. I was suffering with that. And then I, I, I finished playing then in 2007. I just got, I was just completely fed up with it. So I started then a lot of cycling and uh, that, that sort of got me back playing again because I built up the muscles in the leg. I think anybody who has tendonitis, the your muscles act as like a shock absorber. So I, uh, the muscles, all the rehab and the gym work wasn't really working for me. So I started cycling and because it's non-impact, it started build up those muscles mm-hmm. and I go back playing. And, uh, was yeah. that almost accidentally like that you started Accidentally, cycling? I was sitting at home and I was trying to get back and I couldn't get playing for the club. And it was probably about April or May time in 2008. And I just, I was, <laughs> I was putting on a few pounds. I said, geez, I need to do something. So I started cycling around home, just on an old rubbish mountain bike. And started to enjoy it and kept going at it. And I felt myself getting stronger. And then I got back playing uh, in the summer, then probably about July time, June, July. And uh, I felt I felt good again. And I, I kept it up then for the rest of my career. So what did the bikes lie in gallon dust at the minute? But <laughs> it got me through that time. And 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 it's something that anybody, a lot of people have asked me about 10 nights and how I got over it. So I've given them that advice. I thought the cycling was a, was a great way of doing it, you know. 
Interesting. You know, we, that, that Tyrone team, right, that, that you were on, obviously, is an unbelievable team. But when I was thinking thinking about it, you had a lot of finishers. You know, you had, like, Mulligan, yourself, Canavan. Like, what was your, was your tactic? Get the ball to the finisher and just have a shot? Or were you more creative up front where it was kind of you built relationships in terms of who was giving it to who? I know the Doher had a pass in him, but you had so many unbelievable finishers. Like, how, how did you share the ball? I just think, hey... <sighs> You just you you build up over time too. I think when you're playing with people, you, you sort of know where where players are going to be. And I always think eye contact's a great thing. You know, whenever you, you see a man and you can yeah, just change glance at you, and they can nearly read you. Uh, so that, that that was probably a lot of it. But I I always think good players who, who understand the game can play well with each other. And 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 like you look at any of them teams, like you know you, you look at the carry the current carry team. I, I think Sean O'Shea is a brilliant player and, and Clifford. I think I think O'Shea is just top class. And the way he plays the game and the way he passes the ball is brilliant. And the understanding them two would have would would be telepathic. And you look at those Dublin teams that Paddy would have played on, like you know, they just they knew each other inside out, and 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 they 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 knew where the ball was, was supposed to be played, and they had the skill set to deliver that type of pass. And I was lucky; all the teams I played on had that same skill set where they could just pop the ball in, bouncing in front of you, and it was. It made it easier then for for the forwards. That's the he, thing, though, Steve. Is it even like you, obviously Brian McGuigan at centre forward was a brilliant playmaker? Do her you play. when you're playing with guys and the, the age profile of the team, you've got three, four, five years playing together. You do just you, you instinctively know what's going to happen. It's it's not nearly as rigid or as structured as you might think. It's a case of if the, he gets the ball at wing forward, he you know the, what kick pass he's looking to get. He knows where you want to run to. And that Tyrone team, that, that success you had through the noughties there, it was just brilliant players that just knew each other's games inside out. They were so, so difficult to play against. Like, and But some of those guys, if you're in the full forward line, if McGuigan and Doer kicking balls into you, I mean, you've got a chance. You've got yeah, a I, chance. Like, you say, I agree 100% there, Paddy, because you play with them so long. I played with Brian from, I was 16. And yeah. uh, Brian, uh, I played with him in the club my whole career. And you just knew exactly where he was going and where, you know, and, and we could have changed the rules and you still would have been able to do the same thing. Like, and, it's just over time and, and good players understand the game and, and you see it in a, even in club games where players have played so well together and and, and, and it's just mm-hmm. that understanding that you have and, and as you say like with good coaching and 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 I think it makes some people aware of how to play to the, 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 the your, your teammates' strength and I think that's what good management and good good coaches do. It's funny you mentioned eye contact because <clears throat> I remember James O'Donoghue sitting in the studio and off the ball in an interview with Colin Cooper and uh, the same question was asked, how do you develop that connection between forwards? And James, you jumped out of your seat and you were saying, sometimes all you need to do is give a fella a look. And that's, uh, how do you develop that though? Is that like, is that just being on the pitch? Is that? I think like, it's, it's it's eye contact from playing with your head up. Like it, if your head is down as an outside player, a half forward line player, you're doing the inside fella absolutely no favours because he's making a run. You can't see him. Whereas if you just catch it and give a slight eye contact He's going to make a run. You can give the pass. It's done. Do you know, it's just easy. Sometimes it is overcomplicated, but if you play with the head up, the eye contact comes naturally. Um, were, were all the boys good at that? Like, it strikes me Peter Canavan was very good at that too. Canavan was always moving the ball and and looking around for for, for passes off him, wasn't he? Yeah, but didn't we see Rory Canavan do the... Yeah. He was soloing with the head up even. And you can tell he has skill coming out of his out of his ears. So it's Did Muggsy have it, Stephen? 
Oh yeah, Muggsy would have had it. Yeah, definitely. And and, and it's just I think you just have that high skill set and. An, mm. Any good forward, you are looking to inflict as much damage as you can when you have that ball. And you are, you know, probably one of the better examples is Conor Callahan. You know, he goes out to the wing and you know what's coming, that cut. And his pass has just popped in and that's straight off the training ground. But mm. all those players know exactly what he's doing there. And it's just <laughs> the eye contact, then timing it. And, and and I always think to, to any inside forward that I work with and you know, you have to be patient as an unsafe forward, as James says. You, there's no point you making all these mad runs when you know that the half forward coming or the half backs coming and they're not looking up. And it's all about timing and getting yourself under the position where you can just make that explosion and sprint for the ball when 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 he has his head up and he can deliver the pass. Hundred percent. We used to with Kerry. We used to say at times make long hard runs for the ball, and I'd be going like, Jesus. No, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Make a, a long, hard run. By the time you have four or five steps made, you're actually out of the position you want to be in. Like the, the best run you can make is probably two steps or a little bit of a push off, eye contact, and you get the ball almost where you're standing just with a half a run. Mm-hmm. You know, so as you said, that is just time built up with fellas, but it's difficult. It's, mm-hmm. it's difficult to get going. So Sometimes too, I always think it's, you're trying to coach players to, to think two seconds ahead. You know, you see, you, I, I contact, I see James standing there, but I know, just pop it there. He'll he'll, he'll be there. Just trust yeah. that your teammate will be there. And I think over time, you develop that where you can play nearly two seconds ahead of the game. You know where the run's going to be, where the ball needs to be. And and it's it's just from playing the game and understanding it at, at, at a very quick level, I think. But, you know, when you say you play Ulster, Ulster Championships, right, you play one one way. And then you came up against a Kerry, say, because I'm I, I obsessed with those Kerry Tyrone games from back then. But say, when you did play a Kerry, did you play a different style or did you notice yourselves playing a different style? Uh, in no, terms of attacking, would the game be more open? There, there would probably have been there's no difference in style. It, you'd have the same intensity and same ferocity, but it, it'd probably be at a greater level because there was a fear. And there was always a respect for Kerry teams because of what they could do to you and the success they've had. And, you know, we played them Kerry teams like, and we grew up watching those Shays and that. And, and you know, uh, Morris Fitzgerald. And it's just this whole mystique behind it, all those great names. And, you know, you had a fear that, Jesus, if we don't be, if we're not the top of our game here, they are going to rip us to shred. And you always had that fear and hunger that you didn't want to be showing up, I think, going under them games because you were so nervous uh, approaching them. able to kick and, the ball more often? Like, like in terms of the kick being on against Kerry, it would be more on than it would be in an Ulster Championship match or it would be kind of tighter. I would, I, but the game's different in Coke Park too because you have so much space and the, and, and the ball, like, you can't play football in Coke Park, you can't play anywhere because it, it's a complete, you know, people, friends have asked me what it was like playing Coke Park. It's just completely different to playing anywhere else because the pitch is so wide the bounce of the ball is perfect and it's to me it's always a different game it's so fast down there and it suits a skillful team that that can move that ball quick and you look at any team that's successful down there the top club teams they're all comfortable in the ball they kick the ball and they move it well and, and, and it's the same with county set up yeah I remember that from Mulligan's goal against uh, against Dublin with the was it three dummies he did in a row and um, Stevie gave him the ball yeah, it was Steve getting pass. Hat back. Yeah. He had nothing to do after that pass. He had nothing to do. <laughs> you just teed it up from Steve. You just <laughs> like, it up. That was that's like a, a risky pass in this in this day and age. So I mean that pass would nearly be be turned down for a safer pass. Like mm-hmm. you're missing those moments of magic, I think, sometimes by not kicking the ball like that. 
Yeah, definitely are. And I, I always think, and I, I, as soon as I get the ball, I always just look to see, can you pass it inside? Can you get it into the top of the D? And it's the key to, to unlocking defences, I think, being able to have that, where as soon as you get it, that you get you use your two steps, lock up, head up. Can you deliver that pass on the turn, on the, on, on the bend round? And um, I suppose whenever you're playing with Peter and Muggsy inside, it was always going to be easy because all you had to do was deliver it in front of them and, and they would do the rest. And thankfully, Muggsy did it that day because we definitely needed it. Yeah. So we did. Well, yeah. it, it, it's funny with that. Like we say it, and we were looking at obviously Derry this year as an example that we kind of felt that they were going to come up short because the way we, all you would say it is that if you want to win the biggest prizes, you have to take risks on the ball. You, you cannot play safe all the time but you get you to a certain level and yes you need to be set defensively it'd be hard to, hard to break down but to beat Kerry to beat Dublin to beat any of the top teams you have to have risk in your game you have to try those kick passes you have to try and force the issue at times I'm not saying every time you get the ball launch a Hail Mary in but mm. we'd always have, have a saying we scan out to in so when you get the ball what's the furthest possible pass we can give because anyone can do a five yard hand pass that's not no. going to hurt hurt the defence. You're talking about being ruthless, Stephen. Mm-hmm. And I see the biggest games, the biggest teams, and the most successful teams. You have to have that element of risk in your play. You have to be able to kick past the ball. You have to try and force the issue. Because you know it's so funny hearing you saying that scan out down because I always look beyond the line, and you always have that defensive line sitting in front of you, and uh, you know going round, and I always think the middle third beyond or. Packed, and it's just, just look beyond that. Just yeah. it's hard to coach that because the players, as soon as they get the ball, it's nearly like you know they, they, they tense up a wee bit, and it's just looking beyond that because I always think the opportunities are are, are there for that thirty yard kick pass if you can deliver that type of lovely ball bouncing in. It, it, it's it's on, um, but no, it's something I always think of too. Yeah, but you do see it, Stephen. We watch so many games this summer. Like, do you get the sense players are sometimes afraid? To make a mistake, and it's my, and it's nearly coming from from the coaches or the management team that if I kick this wide or I kick the ball away, I'm going to be grilled. Nearly like Joe Schmidt style with the rugby team, mm-hmm. and it's like, why did you kick that pass away? Or players mm-hmm. nearly have a bit of a fear. In the- uh, possibly do you like? And I was at the Throne Derry match in Oma this year, and, and yeah, uh, I'd say playing under Rory Gallagher after listening to him on the sideline, the fear's definitely there for those Derry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's so loud and he's so intense. And uh, I played with Rory, so I've been on the end of that as well. <laughs> so uh, he hasn't seen, doesn't seem to change much. But, uh, there wasn't much noise of the Throne supporters that day, so we got a good listen to him up and down the, the, the sideline, Healy Park, and. Uh, there probably is that wee bit of fear and, and I suppose at that level it's all about one and yeah. he's going to set up his teams and, and managers will set up their teams to one and it doesn't you know coaching the, the nice aspects of the game maybe are, are maybe forgotten about at times but as you say Harry like when you go to Croke Park you have to be able to mix it because mm. it's very going to Cloners or Oma or Armagh where the pitch is tighter the bounce just isn't as fast as it is in Croke Park once you get there in those open spaces you have to be able to play ball and I always think that the best team will win no matter what. And and I, I think that's been proven again this year. Mm. In fairness, when you, do you know when when you were going so well and Armagh were going so well around the same time and you're both playing like an attractive kicking game. I remember Armagh used to be unbelievably giving those diagonal balls yeah, in to the, to the outside. They were like Donald and Clark inside, yeah. 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 But like, what was the rivalry like between the two of you at the time? Was it, was it hatred, hatred or was it... 
Oh, like, did you play Ulster Finals in Crow Park? They took it out of Ulster. That went oh, oh 05. Oh, it was oh, yeah, so yeah. big. 2005 was the perfect example, Stephen, wasn't it? Like you meet That's... Ulster final, Ulster final replay, All Ireland semi final. Mm-hmm. Oh, hatred. Hatred. You just listen, it's like, it's like club games. You, you don't like seeing your neighbours do well. You want to be on top of them and you, you want to be getting the success. And I suppose Armagh with the big team at that time, we were sort of the new kids in the block. Uh, but they had, they, had a, they had unbelievable success maybe from 99 I think yeah. onwards Semi-final after those 7 or 8 years up, up to 2005 and they, they were the dominant team and, and we were there to try and knock knock, knock them off their, off their perch and so there's always a great rivalry and but as you say it, that's, that was our map playing to their strengths you know it, it, it's Stephen McDonnell and Ronan Clark inside two great ball winners two great forwards who could score and it was just them playing to their strengths and, 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 and I think most teams that get to Crow Park have to be able to do that. And as you say, you need to be able to kick it and you go to Crow Park. And I suppose if you look at the Derry game this year in Galway, Derry's best forward, Ian McGuigan, spent a lot of the time in the half-back line and he made a couple of blocks in that. And expecting him to get up that field again, it's it's, it's tough going and, and, and 70 minutes there. Yeah, just hanging on to those 05 games for a couple of more minutes. Did it make a difference that they were in Crow Park, the, the All-Ireland or the Ultra-Finals? Because... The first day, um, he'd beaten Cavan well after a replay in the semi-final. I think he had an, an unbelievable amount of replays that year. He had Dublin in a replay too in the quarter-final. But yeah. you come up against Armagh, you have 14 on your back. Francie Bellew's marking you. You kick 10 points in that first game. Francie Bellew says afterwards, he never wants to see Stephen O'Neill again. <laughs> two, <laughs> weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later, two weeks Francie Bellew's marking you again and you're back in Crow Park. Two weeks mm. from like, that was all, the colour... The the middle of July, unbelievable. You must it must have made a difference to the type of games, did it? I could did I guess I say when you go to Co Park, it's, it's a different surface, it's a different playing arena than anywhere I've ever experienced, and I just love going there. And I just if you I just loved Co Park. I love even going down now. And there was a couple of times I was down doing different things at it, and I looked down and the sun was shining. These four or five men coming with pushing the wee lawnmower, and I just said, "Jesus, I would love that job." That <laughs> 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 would be me happy. I could retire happy. My one cook. We'll have a word with them, Steve. You will see. Oh, what I'll tell you. Well, but I just love going there, and I suppose then getting those games down there, those extra games, and the, and the crowd and the noise. It was it was brilliant. Like we, yeah. geez, I was hoping we we thought this was never going to end, and. Uh, it, we were lucky just to get in the semi-final get get the nod and get get over the line because it was probably our worst performance against them. I thought we deserved the one in the Ulster final, the two Ulster finals, and then the semi-final we didn't play as well, but we managed to scrape across the line. If anyone wants uh, something to watch this week, go back and watch that 05 Ulster final replay. Go back and watch them all if you want. But my question for you, Stephen, have you been sent off many times in your career? I've been sent off a few times, I but... <sighs> that was harsh that day. It was harsh that day. Now, I it was only a yellow card. So it, I think Michael Collins was the referee from Cork, and, yeah. and he, he made a mistake. He thought he, he had booked me in the first half, and he had And now, uh, listen, I got checked in the international rules that year. He, he was the referee on it, and he apologised to me. And I said, don't worry about it. Like these things happen, and, and listen, <laughs> the players make as many mistakes as anybody else, and uh, on, yeah. on, on match day, so it's not it wasn't. So did he give you a second yellow and send you no. off? No, he, he kicked in the first half. He ticked me in the first half, and uh, he made a mistake then, and I, he, he. But he just flashed the red, didn't he? <laughs> I think he did, but it was it was getting to the stage of the game too. It was really I think Peter was already sent off and it's Peter, getting hot and heavy. And Peter was, was only on three. Peter was only on forty five seconds. The game was a draw. Right. Canavan yeah. comes in, brawl starts, he gets his jersey ripped off him, red card. 
<laughs> yeah. He's, uh, listen, it's it's part of the GA, and it's why we're all of it, probably. That bit of madness. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's was when that was was coming off and back on again, wasn't it around that time? But, uh, yeah, it was. Yeah, then, then, yeah, it, it brought that iconic moment then in the in the All Ireland semi final. And in fairness, it's a right footer's free, but you'd been taking frees on the left that day. The Muggsy gets the ball, and Canavan's walking towards him, and he says, "Do you fancy it?" Hmm. Peter says, "Yeah, of course, no problem." Puts it over the bar, and he, he beat our man. Was was O five the the sweetest of the All Irelands for you, or can you rank them? <laughs> O three, I always think the first one, like for for a county that's never won it, like you, you know, James, you're from, you're from Kerry, and even the scenes in Kerry this year because they hadn't won it since like 2014 was were, were unbelievable. But for a county that has never won it, and I suppose Paddy and James have never, you know, been in a county that you've always had success. O three was 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 something really special, you know, and the, the celebrations and the the buzz around the county was just unbelievable. And that week after it, it was it was just some special to be part of. And uh, I suppose it, it it was it was a really special one, you know. Yeah, because like you'd won minor together in ninety eight, and then you won the two hundred twenty ones. Like I suppose it felt like it was coming in that era when you were part of it, but like it doesn't matter until you get the job done. No, it definitely doesn't. And and Mickey Hart would have been very good at at, at focusing our minds on, on making it through the seniors. He, like he because he was manager of the minors from ninety I think it was ninety-three, maybe right through to ninety-eight, he had he kept the count of all the players that, that had went through. And he, you know, there was maybe thirty players each of those six, seven years, and only two or three of them were playing the senior panel. And he kept reminding us that. And it was probably a good thing. And I suppose then the Paul McGuire thing in ninety seven, it was a it was a brilliant thing, you know, to keep that group uh, together and and to make us really focus on staying together and 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 working as a group because there was so many talented players in all those yeah. teams but there's only three of them made it through. Yeah, that was that was that was horrendous. He, he, Paul had an incident on the pitch that day in '97, didn't he? And, and, passed, yeah, passed yeah, yeah. and, and that's you know, yeah. I suppose then the '98 one in the minors '98 was a really special because the '97 one was sort of we lost the final and, and it was really it was devastating for the team because. Although Mickey always kept saying it wasn't a crusade, deep down you were hoping to do it for for, for in his memory, oh, and yeah. we we failed that year. So, so there, there were so many of us underage again for the '98 game. It was it was it was brilliant to 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 win it, and it was really special. Yeah, yeah, it was an incredible group of footballers. You had Kevin Hughes in that team, Mulligan, yourself, uh, Conor McNallan was on that team, yeah. Gavin Devlin. Yeah, I we had we had a lot of we had a lot of players that made it through, and and I think that, that whole bond that was created in the minors just helped keep us there the under twenties and eventually on the seniors. It's shown true. Yeah, we started off the podcast today talking about potential players coming home. Uh, I don't think there's any rumors that Mark O'Connor is is going to return for Kerry at a Ty Kennelly in 09, but. There's a hope that at 25, there may be a chance for him to play for Kerry at some stage down the line. The Dubs have got Paul Mannion and Jack McCaffrey back this week. You made a return in 08. We we briefly mentioned it earlier on how it was tendonitis. You were is, is that the reason why you stepped away in, in January 08? Uh, just, uh, yeah, I just riddled with injuries for two years and I got, got fed up. And the, 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 the medical team had tried everything and it was nothing that seemed, seemed to be working. So that's, that was it. And you, you briefly mentioned that getting on mountain biking is what sort of got the body back motoring again. Yeah. At, at what stage did it actually become a reality that you would go back into the panel? Because I think Kerry had brought back Paul Galvin a couple of weeks before that All-Ireland final and there was big talk about that. The next thing, 
I've tried to read back and figure out what happened. You do an interview, I think, for someone. You didn't do Manny over your time, but you did an interview, I think it was September 3rd. And in the interview, you're talking as if, you know, you've, you've left the team. You're not a part of it. Someone asked you for a preview for the All-Ireland Final. You were wishing them all the best. It seems like two days later, you're back training. It's like, did you do the interview on the Tuesday? What happens then between Wednesday oh, and Thursday? <laughs> and in all fairness, there, there, was a, there was a few men involved uh, in that. Um, there, uh, I was back, started playing for club about July time and okay. uh, I was just down at home and uh, there were a couple of people landed at club training. These cars started landing at club training. Um, one was uh, Brian Quinn from Rockwell. He was sponsoring throwing at the time. He'd landed down to see if I'll go back and I said, look, I'll, I'll definitely think about going back next year the boys are doing well. And, was and this in September, Stephen, was it? No, no, this was maybe July time when I was back playing a few right, games right. and I started to get a bit of form back again. And then uh, another man landed down, I got a phone call in uh, from uh, my mum. She phoned, she says, Stephen, are you finished your training? I says, aye, well, there's a man sitting up here <laughs> since seven o'clock this evening. Can you get up here quick? She, <laughs> she, had, she had run out of tea and, and, and rich tea biscuits for him. So uh, I went up there and it was a man called Francie Martin who was involved with the throwing team way back. And he sort of says, look, we want you to get back here and, 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 and go and chat. And what's, what is the problem and blah, blah, blah. So I says, look, there's no problem. I was injured. And he says, well, uh, he says that Mickey had asked. I, I don't know the ins and outs of that, that whole conversation, but he said, Mickey was wondering if you'd go up and chat to him. So I says, look, I'll go up and chat to him. So we organised a meeting and went up to Mickey's house and uh, Michaela, God rest, it was there. Uh, Fergal, McCann, and, and God rest, and, and, and Tony Donnelly were there. And we just chatted and I says, look, I don't want to go back. I says, it's too awkward. Come back before a final. It's a disaster. And he says, well, would you leave it if the players decided? So I says, aye, that's grand. I'll leave it as the players decide. I'll go back next year, no problem. But I don't want to go back this year. So they had a call a meeting, I think, on the Wednesday. And uh, Mickey, <laughs> my, my, the feedback I got from it was Mickey just went into the room. The players were thinking they were preparing for the next three weeks. And like he says, well, listen, Stephen and Neil's thinking about coming back, discuss, and he left the room. <laughs> so I think they were all in small groups. And I think the the, the, the players that have played with me from minors and under 20s, uh, from my recollection or what I was told was that they were happy for me to come back in. And then obviously the, the newer members of the panel, they were like, Jesus, what's this play at? And what sort of boy is he? And, you know, they didn't know the type of me probably. So... They had questions about it, I think. And then Muggsy spoke up and says, look, Stevie's one of us and we'll we'll back him and we want him back in. So I was in good form. I was I was extremely fit from from looking after myself and I've always sort of looked after myself. So I knew it could be maybe a bonus for training on that and keep the panel in good shape that way like and, and challenge them. So the, the players were happy for that to happen and went back then. So that was it. But you, you, you were only 28 though. I was only, I, yeah, 20, I, 28. And but listen, I was lucky the result went the right way. And I remember a big Packy McConnell pulling off a save with the studs. And if the result hadn't went the right way, I was going to get some bashing. But you know, the, so. the, thing, the thing is, you didn't just play a part in training in those three weeks for the All Ireland final. Connie McCullough gets injured and you're the first man in. Um, was it Collie that got injured? I'm, I'm remembering that right. Or was it was it, yeah, Collie got injured? Yeah, he got injured. And then your, your first little bit, like, was there a chat beforehand that you were going to be the first man in? No, there was no chat. Um, 
there was no chat beforehand. You know, I was just sitting on the bench and watching the game. And next thing, a colleague got injured, and then I was I was pulled in, like you know. So, ah, listen, a lot of pressure and. Chatting to Anderson, he says it was it was a good pressure because it, it, you took all the, the sort of the, the the limelight away from the team, and the team could just focus on getting their performance right. And I suppose it was probably the same for for Paul Gallen and Kerry. He was probably taking a wee bit of the limelight, and Kerry could focus on the, on the game, you know. So Paul Gavin must have been the most famous man in Europe that summer after he after he knocked the the notebook. That was that was some story that time, wasn't it? It, it just caught fire, and he got he got a reckless man. Did he get? He got a year, I think, and they appealed it down to three months. Uh-huh. He did, yeah. And he still he made it back for the for the final, mm-hmm. but like it takes serious mental strength to be able to actually deliver then after coming in because yeah. it's way more pressure. Like you're after coming in, you're you haven't played any other games. Like you know you're there to be criticised if it doesn't go hundred percent to plan. Mm-hmm. Like it does take serious mental strength. It does. It's. I tell you, it's not. It's not a nice place to be, and you yeah. do feel the pressure. So you do. Uh, I definitely had a very poor game. Um, apart from helping with the goal, that was about the only thing I did. Everything else was a complete disaster. Uh, so I was lucky that the team got got got, got the result and got got across the line. You know, because as as you say, like you you definitely you would get the full brunt of it if you if if it hadn't went that way. What did you make of that Kerry team that time? Hey, as I said, when we were first played them, we had serious respect for them. You know, uh, they're all top class players. And one thing I always said about Kerry, even their cornerbacks are good kick passers. And yeah. something I just love doing is, is kicking the ball. And every single one of the Kerry players that I played against, hey, every single one, you know, we could put that lovely type of pass on their forward line. And you just had real fear playing against them because you knew the damage that they could inflict on you. Would you have been on Mark Shear, Tom Sullivan? I was Mark O'Shea that day. I good player, class player. Um, I was uh, Thomas Holmes, good player too, very aggressive and in your face. And but Mark O'Shea was a brilliant player. Like he, he could he could have played out in half back, half forward, probably for for Kerry. You know he was that good. But his reading of the game was super, and he just he, he was very very sticky. He used, to cut out, oh, he used to cut out the pass. I used to say when I was marking Mark O'Shea, he used to cut out the, the obvious pass. So you'd have to make kind of a an almost an unexpected run to be able to get the ball even off him. Whereas Tom yeah, would be more kind of he'd he'd back his pace against you. It would be a wee bit like Conor Gormley for Tyrone. He, he just reads the game so well. And, and as you say, like you have to work so hard to try and get that ball. And you usually end up getting it in places where you can do no damage. And uh, that's probably a sign of a top-class defender because at them times, them boys were playing without a really structured defence in front of them. They might have had one sweeper, but there was acres of room and, and, and they could still snuff out a, a top-class forward. Did you prefer playing at 11 or 14? Uh, 14. Probably. Um, uh, Brian McGuigan always made 11 look so easy and he always seemed to have time and space in the ball and he always seemed to get the ball. Yeah. He was fine playing half forward. The, the ball is either going over your head or you're chasing the way back to get it. So it was. I always liked being inside and making the runs inside. There there was a story that winter in 08 that you wouldn't accept the honour in the medal that year. Surely mm-hmm. you were convinced to take it home and hide it away in a safe spot. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Uh, I, I, I think you have to be there uh, for the full year, and that's my opinion on it. You know, I don't think I think anybody being reasonable would would agree with it. Uh, I was lucky enough to get to play in that final, but um, I wasn't there for the full year. And like that, that group, that away group, went through a lot of bad times. They, you know, they, they didn't have a great league, and and they got knocked out, lost the championship, and they had to go 
to some places that you know they, were, were tough places to go, and I wasn't part of that. So uh, I don't think that's any. Uh, it was th- it was thir- thirty on the panel at the time as well, wasn't it? Like it's gone down to twenty six, which is mm-hmm. like e- even in an AVB game of training, there's going to be at least thirty fellas involved. Four of those fellas, if you win, aren't going to get a medal. Like it's it's very harsh. Like with twenty six, it is t- it is very harsh. Um, but that's part and parcel of it. And every every man's striving to get to get on that twenty six. I think the, yeah. the, the players called to getting on the bus, and I think. You know, the disappointment not even getting getting on the bus. I thought it was a great way of putting it. You know, getting getting the match day like it's it's a good it's a, it was a great way of putting it. But that's 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 top class sport. You you know the, the manager has to make the call and, and the selectors have to make the call and who who they feel is going to get them across the line and and, and you know you, you you just be content. That, Isn't that just a massive? Any team that's had success over the last number of years, it is that strength of their panel that, that is getting them over the line. It's it's so so important. Yes. Okay, you, you have your 15 guys who are going to start the game, but you need, if you're going to try and win the alert, you need to have four or five guys coming off the bench, nearly match winners in their own right. Uh-huh. So having that that strength, the panel, and if you're looking at it, your, your own county, Stephen, with Tyrone, their All-Ireland win in 2021, it was a brilliant squad effort. Mm-hmm. That the guys coming in, Derek Hanavan, Colin McShay, these guys coming in off the bench and making game-winning contributions nearly in every round of the championship and you felt that with a lot of guys leaving the panel this year for different reasons that Tyrone just probably they lacked that this year they, they looked like they were flat and that kind of strength in their panel wasn't really there th- th- this year was that, that's surprising for you to see that or what was the kind of reaction up there it's, it's hard when you, you have top quality players leaving and as you say Paddy you, you need men coming off the bench and yeah. you look at the splans what they did for Kerry this year coming off the bench won a couple of handy frees got a couple of scores the Dublin teams the Throne team like Cahill McShane coming off the bench Derek Cannon, top class players mm. you have Mark Bradley in there as well and once you take that out and the training to me I always thought the Throne training was so intense at whenever we were going well and you need that it hardens you for the championship battle and I suppose when you take that type of quality out of the training games suddenly it does become a wee bit more flat and it's something I'm sure Brian and Fergal, from his own point of view, will be looking at for for next year. Is is, is they'll be scaring the championship at the minute, looking for for players who can add to that that type of quality that, that you need at that level. Will they be trying to get those fellas back? Do you reckon? Like if I was if I was the boys, I'd be I'd be on the phone straight away trying to get get all those fellas back because even one or two fellas missing from a training panel makes some dent. Do you know? Yeah. Never mind fellas who are actually getting game time. Like will he will he try and get them back? I'm sure. He, I'm sure they will. Um, you know, I looked at Mark Bradley this year in the championship, even in the league for Kelly Clogher. He's been unbelievable. He was loving the scraps the other night, and he still ended up with four or five points. Um, they had a big win. Did they knock out? Trent? No, they they no. lost to they lost. Um, Oh yes, the more twenty champions. But like Mark Bradley was excellent, and I'm sure even for Mark Bradley, you know, he's I don't know, yeah. 26, 27. If you if you're serious about your football, you want to be playing at the best. You want to be getting the Cook Park in those days and, and and sitting out of that there. You know you'll you'll look back and regret it whenever it passes you. And because the next generation are only a few years away, and 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 for a player like him, I hope him and the management, whatever the issues are, or if it was just a break he wanted, I hope mm-hmm. it's sorted out for next year. Yeah. Something. Yeah, it's funny. There's like it was like there's six or seven different reasons is is what we kind of heard coming out as they all left, and even now the Conor McKenna seems to be heading back now as well to 
Australia. So it's massive dents in that panel, but there's always seems to be talent coming through in Toronto. I don't know whether it's the ferocity of the senior championships, like the the games there have been incredible and the amount of different champions they've had over the last 10 years. I think Eric Kieran are favourites every year and they haven't won one in a, in a couple of years. But uh, they, were, they were nearly beat at the weekend. They were like one seven to three points down at half time. So yeah, it's it is just a complete lottery. And and as you say, like there is so many people. You know, you look at the under twenty team, just good timing. They they seem to be coming through at the right time as well. So yeah. listen, the future's bright. There's a good bunch of lads there on the throne panel at the minute, and I'm sure with, with those younger players and the new players maybe that are on earth during the championship, it'll hopefully bode well for them. How did you find the role of playing? Even say, let's take that 2013 season. You're playing in the full forward line with Darren McCurry and I think Conor McAlisky's probably playing a, a lot of games inside yeah. that year as well. You lit it up that year. I think you got to an All-Ireland semi-final. Did you like that, playing with the younger boys? Did it give you a new lease of life? Fuck, it did. Uh, definitely did. Like whenever you, you, you know, some top class players there, like Darren's a brilliant player, like his skill level's unreal. Um, so it was good. It was nice to play with them and see that they're coming through, you know, but um, I suppose I was getting to the stage of the career then where we're different, you know, young family and and different commitments and that. And it, it gets a, that wee bit harder, you know, whenever you're you're leaving for training, your wee girl's sitting saying, no, dad, I stay and play. So oh. she didn't, she wasn't too tough to all the, the, the time commitments. So I was at a different stage of my career and, and they were just starting. But it's nice to say you you played with, 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 I think there's four or five limb lads that I, that I played with, you know, Petey Hart and Maddie Donnelly. Now Morgan and Darren, so it's nice that they're still playing and and and, and that, that, that they were teammates a long time ago. And how did you find them when you went back coaching them four or five years later? Were they listening to you like they were back then? <laughs> they, I, they were, they, 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 they were definitely were. They were, they were great lads. Like this, they're really good lads, and 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 they just want to do well and and to win, and 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 they talk on board. Anything you ask them to do, they 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 have tried it out, and 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 there were probably a lot of trial and error at, at some stages. But I remember the first time, first night I was on, Neil Morgan says, "Oh, who are you coaching last year, Stevie?" And I says, "I says, oh, nobody." He said, "Geez, I heard you were the team monon." I says, "Not a chance." I says, "I says, I'm starting to, I'm starting with these boys and working my way to the top." So <laughs> <laughs> he, he laughed at that. So uh, listen, I enjoyed my two years with them. They were they were a great bunch of boys to work with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when did McShane switch from being a, an industrious midfielder to a all-star full forward happen? Did that happen around that time? That league, in, was it the league in 18? I we were sort of, um, we just doing a lot of the forward stuff and movement things and that. And then yeah, like every, all, the whole team would have done it. You know, I always think it's good to, to have the whole team doing it because as a cornerback, it's it's important that they understand that role and they they understand the type of runs that maybe a good forward would be making. Okay. How frustrating it is if the pass isn't right. <laughs> so yeah. he would have been doing a lot of those drills and 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 then uh, but Cahill would have played full forward for his club and that own rose and and, and okay. he's, you know, he's a good player. Yeah, because it paid off because it it his career took. I know he got a couple of bad injuries then and that kind of affected him in in twenty twenty one, but. I think it was the year before COVID. He was just sensational in there in that full forward line. Um, he was. He's, he, he's a nightmare to mark. Like he's, he's such a big. Like I don't know if you've ever met him, Tommy. He's, he's I have. six foot three, six. And he's yeah. big. He's strong. He's, he's a presence on the ball. Yeah, he's. Ah, he's he's a good player. He can shoot with both feet, and he's just a bloody nightmare to mark. For he keeps going and going. He's great engine on him, but he's back playing well for his club. Was down at their championship game there, so hopefully he'll, he'll have a good year this year. Yeah, I, I, I think we were kind of obviously looking thrown. It wasn't a great year for him this year and loads of things just didn't seem to go well. But Colt McShane, you felt, 
he didn't feel I didn't look like he was fully a hundred percent fit after his injury. I always felt he was kind of struggling. That just sharpness, you know that mm. a guy who's just totally uh, confident in his body that he can go out and play and he's fine. That's why for him to get a run now with, with the club scene, I expect him, expect her own, but expect him as well to have a big year next season. Um, you have to get him that mountain bike. <laughs> <laughs> a few of them are mountain biking up around Gorchen. So <laughs> I think they need to stay off it in case they get injured. But uh, no, like it, it'll be a big year. I think. I think. I'm hoping Throne do well this year. I think a lot of them will be hurting for the criticism they got yeah. for, for for the performances. And and listen, it, it it'll hopefully bode well for them because it's it, nothing nothing worse than getting criticised about your ability or about mm. your, your your football. They, they take it serious. So expect a, a good year, hopefully. And we've all backed him to have a good league. But you, do you know when Petty Telly, we had him on a couple of weeks ago, but he would have coached you. What, what kind of a coach was he? Like I, I asked him, I said, down here, everyone thinks that the Petty Telly was a defensive coach and kind of nothing else. And he shored up Kerry's defense. But like, I don't know, I'd say he was half insulted when I said that to him. But like, what kind of a coach was he back in the day? And kind of, he's done unbelievable down with us. Uh, he's, How's that going up there? First of all, Paddy's a lovely guy. Like I, I he, he coached us for a young age. He, he was in the 2003 team. He was 28. Which was a couple of years. Ah, he, he could have been still playing himself. He could have been on the panel. Um, just his enthusiasm, his knowledge of the game is excellent. It was so funny. Um, I uh, he, he told me that he'd done this here with these two men. Or used three men. Uh, for I was down in Kerry in August in my holidays, and we were staying in the Glen Eagles Hotel in Clarney. Yeah. Uh, uh, just out of this room came Paddy Talley with Jerry County board coming out. So we got Chapman for a good hour that night, and he's just a lovely man. And mm. you know, he, he was singing, singing a lot of the, the praises of the Kerry lads, and we happened to meet a few of them on our time down there, like and just lovely, lovely people. But Paddy's just a brilliant lad, and and his knowledge of the GA is just unbelievable. And anywhere he goes, people speak so highly of his coaching. And he's not just a defensive coach. Everybody thinks, oh, from Ulster, it's defensive. But no, he, Paddy played as a forward, so he, he has yeah. a good understanding of of the whole game, and and he brings good energy and enthusiasm to any any of the teams I was involved with them. He was studying sports science at the time. We actually never got to ask him this, but he had brought in a couple of kind of out there techniques into the Tyrone training camp I believe was there a was there an oxygen mask or something that he had brought in at one stage or he definitely brought in ice baths or something that no, he brought in the ice baths I brought him ice baths and uh, no he, he was he was big up on the, all the latest uh, sports, yeah. sports stuff that was going on now but uh, no I don't think he, I don't think he had the breathing masks <laughs> that yeah. was the other fella uh, but um, no he, he, he was he was top class you know and, and uh, the guy had been lucky I had Paddy Talley for a good number of years, and then at Ferro McCann and all the trainers I've had over the years have been been brilliant. And you've you can take so much from from all those all those guys. There's 14 new managers in the intercounty uh, season next year of the 33 counties that are going to be taking part in the All Ireland. I think there's 10 maybe that are uh, managed for the first time. So quite a young group that are taking charge. Mm-hmm. Um, yourself and McGinley aren't in the mix for any of the remaining jobs. I think Roscommon, Limerick, what's the other one? Donegal. Taking over, Steve. You come on, Donegal. Not off the press. Any breaking yeah. news here? No. No, no breaking news. <laughs> well, Anders had a baby there. His wife Geraldine had a baby. Oh, congrats! Baby. Okay. So they, they just there a couple of days ago. So yeah, that's his fifth child. So <laughs> he's definitely he? out of action. And uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy enough. Um, Brad, on, under twelves and under nine and a half and Kelly Clark. That's about the height of my coaching. 
Fair play. David, you know, isn't, isn't it interesting just on, on that point, the the time and the demands on senior inter-county coaches. You're looking, like Roscommon and Donegal, two of the biggest counties in the country are still looking, they, they can't get managers in. And it's kind of, I'm sure there's, there's lots of interest in it, but did you find that going into the coaching role, Stephen, after, when you're a player, you can be quite selfish in a way. You're looking after yourself, just making sure you're right. When you go into management and coaching, particularly at, at inter-county level, is like, it is a, it's a full-time job, isn't it? Without a doubt. It's, yeah. If you look at I think there's a photograph around the Kerry backroom team. I think there's 20 in it. Um, I think Tyrone probably have something similar. And yeah. even, even to manage all that there, all the information coming at you from stats, from medical teams, from dietitians, you're, you're trying to manage all that. You're trying to get the players' heads in the right position place. You're, it's 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 a tough job, yeah. and I think that, I think because the, the, it's got such a job now where you're, you're you're depending on your backroom staff, it's it's hard to get the right backroom staff at times to to, mm-hmm. to go on with you for those type of jobs. And if there's friction there, you're a, you're in a losing battle already. You know, I think we were very lucky, and Anthem, you know, myself and Ender would be big friends. Stevie Quinn, he's from Air Eagle. Uh, we had Sean Kelly from Antrim, Benny Devlin, uh, all Antrim lads who, who just, the five of us got on so well. The yeah. backroom team all got on so well. So we, we, we had it lucky with Antrim, um, you know, that way. And, and, and it was just, it was enjoyable, you know, and everybody did, did their job and did, did it well. So we were lucky in that sense. But, you know, if you're going now to get, you look at some of the male backroom team, like, and, and so many different personalities from different parts yeah. of the company get on. It's it's it'll be a full it is a full time job and and the time commitments is it's just fierce and yeah. but listen people love it and and they'll be crying out there there's men looking <laughs> give the right arm to get into that level so yeah. good luck to good luck to them yeah listen uh, we we are going to be coming back to the managerial appointments Paddy and James and the football pod over the next little while but Stephen you've been burning with your time thanks so much for for joining no, us I'm I am going to throw two really quick questions at you if you don't mind they're they're uh, they're simple ones. I hope they're quick answers. He always comes in with a curveball, Steve. I'm, I'm waiting on it here now. <laughs> can, can you can you give us your favourite footballer growing up? Uh, well, from throwing it was obviously Peter Canavan and Brian uh, Brian De Hurley in my club, and we all looked up to him at, at the club. Uh, from outside of that, I've been Morris Fitzgerald from uh, Kerry. I just just amazing what he could do with the ball. He's so graceful. Uh, you look back at any of the clips of him; he, he, he's just a uh, just a genius, you know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a that's a good answer. Favorite footballer today? Um, Favors. Favorite footballer today? Well, obviously Clifford's everybody's favorite at the moment, I suppose, because he, he's so so good. But I, I do like Sean O'Shea. I think he's a, he's a class player, just the way he moves and and and. Uh, yeah, you'd have to go for them, them, them two men probably outside of throw. Okay. Favorite football boots? Uh, Nike Temple. Last one. The only actual leather boots <laughs> on the market. Uh, hey, the grip, I always think the grip of them is brilliant. Yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. Last one. Uh, I give a word of advice to anyone with a bag of footballs going onto the pitch. What, the sh- what should they be doing? Learning from their wides and how you strike the ball. I always tell the wee ones that I be coaching just, you know, whenever they're shooting, you know, you hit a wide, think about how you're bending your foot, how you're striking that ball and just do as much kicking as possible, you know. 
That was brilliant. Stephen O'Neill, it was a pleasure to spend an hour in your company. Thanks very much. Thank you, All the best. Thanks, Stephen. Thank Legend. Paddy Andrews, James O'Donoghue. That was class. He was a legend, didn't he? Yeah, that was what unbelievable. You know, just a sound fella, isn't he? Yeah. Just, he clearly loves football, you know. I, I think there was a quote from... Old, didn't he? Like, Jesus, keep going. Yeah. Still going. There was a quote no. from Mike Fran- Frank Russell there last week. Um, that, yeah. Must take it out. But it just, he just spoke about like some boys go golfing. <clears throat> Paddy Anders. Others just love getting the I back like of football. Like I know, no, I know. I'm only joking. But it was just, I, I loved how Mike Frank talked about just the strike of the ball when he goes out to the pitch. And he still hasn't. He's still playing club football. James, you, you would have admired Stephen O'Neill. His, his style, lefty, quality footballer. 100%. Yeah. I always say the best players are lefties. <laughs> and he loved his Nike temples as well. He was. And a temple, he was, man. I thought yeah. he was, he was yeah, pure king I, as well, was he not? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would have sure. had him down now as a World Cup man or something, but same same style though, pure leather. You need that leather feel off the ball. There's no point in these plastic mercurials and all that shite going out there at the moment. You're looking for a few freebies off Nike now, are you? Ambassador. Hey, Nike, TM, balls. <laughs> hey, and you got to go through me. If you want to get to James, you got to go through me. So I'll, I'll take care of you. 240 euros a pop. So yeah. I, I'd only need four or five pairs. <laughs> um, <laughs> Actually, before we go, I must miss, I must wish my missus a happy birthday, Christina. Oh, oh, 36. Oh, man. Today. 36. No, she's not. Uh, James, come on. Do it. If you're going to do it, James, do it properly. Christ- wish Christina a happy birthday from everyone at the football pod. You, Christina, you do it there. Christina, Christina, happy we wish you Christina. a very happy birthday. Putting up with this fella, absolutely. And I, I hope, I hope to God, James has spoiled you. Have you, James? I, I have. I got a lovely card. Good, good man. <laughs> right, I, I think that's a nice oh, spot man. to leave the football pod. It's great to be back. Thanks to everyone at home who's listened in and shared the podcast and subscribed as always. Get in touch. Let us know what you think. We might open up the questions box for next week. If there's any questions for James Dunham and Paddy Andrews, we'll be back with another special guest next Monday, and we'll see you then. See you, boys. Au revoir. Cheers, Tom. See you, lads.